Hello and welcome to the One Pound Movie Podcast. I'm your host Wayne and this is episode 16. If you're not sure what this is, the One Pound Movie Podcast is exactly what he says it is. I've been out to charity shops, I've been out to CEX, I've been out to anywhere, car boots, anywhere that sells second-hand DVDs for a pound or less. In the hopes of churning up some B-movie gold or some Oscar winners you've never heard of or some Oscar-nominated films that were just brushed aside, something like that. On episode 16, I have a special guest this evening. He's returning for his sequel. I have Neil again. Say hello, Neil. Hello. Hello. It's exactly eight episodes since you last come on. You came on for Bunny and the Bull on episode eight, didn't you? Yeah, what an awesome film yes. that was. So we're hoping to replicate that tonight with uh, the film we're going to be talking about, Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul. Legend tells of a band of noble warriors known as the Guardians of Gahul. Whenever trouble is at hand, seek them out, for they are sworn to protect the innocent and vanquish evil. Should I stop? Oh, what? what? No. Oh, this is my favourite part. Sorin, what happened next? Then Lai strikes the final blow. The Guardians win. La, 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 la. They go home. The end. Think about something real. They're real. I picture myself standing on a great cliff with the Guardians ready for battle. Come on, I'll race you. What's going on? We need to find the Guardians. They're the only ones who can save us. We're each other's family now. We'll find them together. When you have flown as far as you can, you're halfway there. What did he say? We're halfway there. You too can be a great Guardian one day. So, Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul from 2010, directed by Zack Snyder. It's a PG. It has an IMDb score of 6.9 out of 10, a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 52%, and an audience score of 63%. It has the voice talents, because it is an animated film, it has a voice talents of Jim Sturgis, Emily Barclay, Ryan Quanton, Abby Cornish, Joel Edgerton, Essie Davis, Sam Neill, Helen Mirren, Jeffrey Rush, and that's just the ones I could be bothered to write down. There is a massive voice cast in this, and it is labelled as an animated action adventure and runs at 97 minutes. It had a budget of $80 million, which is crazy to me. It was $80 million. It grossed in the US $55.7 million and a worldwide gross of $140 million, which is you know, it's a decent return off that, to be fair, with it. $140 million. Yeah, it ain't bad. Yeah, it's better than a kick in the teeth, obviously. Definitely. Yeah, um, I'll read you the DVD synopsis now. This is straight off the back of the DVD. So, Sorin, a young barn owl, is kidnapped by the owls of St. Aggie's, an evil secret owl army that brainwashes owlets into beaming soldiers. Sorin and his friends escape to the island of Gahul to join forces with a group of noble wise owls and fight against the wicked rulers of St. Aggies. That's the best one I've ever done there. There's only like two bits I've got to take out. That's amazing. <laughs> That's only really dramatic. Yeah. I'm getting better at this. That's what it is. Background on the film. Uh, the film is based off the first three books of The Owls of Gahul by Catherine Lasky. Uh, there are 31 books in total. Wow! Yeah, 31. That's incredible. Source material, then. <laughs> Absolutely. Apparently, one of the songs on the uh, original soundtrack is To the Sky by Owl City. I mean, that can't be a coincidence at all, can it, that? You know. <laughs> Owl City, um... Fireflies. Yeah, Erin's obsessed with the uh, song off the end of uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Is it one or yeah, that's Ralph a great one, song. Yeah, God, he's done, yeah. Some, yeah, he's done quite a few, hasn't he? Um, yeah, so, we, um, 
she, she used to have the video on YouTube all the time and um, <laughs> started calling it the annoying man because uh, Adam Jones sort of just dances about in front of the camera and looks really annoying. And um, she, now, now she says to be daddy, can I have the annoying man video? <laughs> uh, but back to back to the background of the film. So the animators uh, went to an owl sanctuary to learn how to properly depict owls in flight. Um, I think it's how, how to speak owl. That would have been amazing, wouldn't it, that? <laughs> no, that, it was it's purely to depict how they fl- how they flew and how they moved uh, and things like that. And it took five hundred artists to animate this film. And the end the end credit sequence took I've dropped my pen. Hang on. <clears throat> and the end credit sequence took three months to design and execute. I mean, three months. I mean, we know we know when it comes to animated films how long they take. They take a bloody long time, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they really do. I'll give you a background on Zack Snyder now, the director of this. So Zack Snyder has 25 director credits uh, to his name. Dawn of the Dead, Sucker Punch, obviously Watchmen. And his Justice brand new, League. Uh, Justice League, of course. And his brand new <laughs> film for Netflix, which I've just watched recently, um, which was called Army of the Dead. Any good? Yeah, Army of the Meh. That's what it is. It's very long. Oh, two hours and tw- two, hour, two and a half hours for a zombie film. I mean, come on. He likes uh, uh, slow motion things to Zack Snyder. Well, we'll come to that. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that in the... In a yeah. bit of expectation. He and his his wife... films could be an hour short if he filmed them in normal time. Christ, yeah. He and his wife stepped away from finishing Justice League in 2017 after the unfortunate suicide uh, of his daughter Autumn, which uh, I think was very heavily publicised at the time, to be honest. And it was... I, I did not know that was the reason. I... Yeah. I think I think oh, among I thought they just sacked him because they didn't like what he was doing. No, with the film. I think it was one of those where it was a reason for him to step aside, and Warner Brothers were more than happy for him because they weren't right. happy with the direction of the film. And then, funny enough, you know, Josh Josh Whedon really didn't do that bang up a job. Um, to be fair, I haven't seen the redone Justice League because again, it's four hours long. I'm not, uh, you know, and I wasn't impressed with the first one, so I'm not going to go and watch four hours of a film that. You know, it might be a lot better. I'm not sure. I mean, as far as I can see, everybody says thumbs up for the Zack Snyder cut. But anyway, yeah. yeah and um, apart from directing comic book films, he's also adapted two other graphic novels. He's done 300, obviously Watchmen, um, and Watchmen was mentioned on our friends' podcast. Our friend Rich, who we did, uh, we do the uh, you haven't heard this music podcast uh, for a long time with uh, on the Adapted to Screen podcast. If, so if you want to know more about that, go and listen to that. Uh, uh, Watchmen is a phenomenal film. It is. It's, it's a great film. Well, it depends. I mean, there's lots of slow-mo in that as well. But we'll, again, we'll come there. to that. Voice actor Jim Sturgis, who voices Soren in the film. He's uh, London-born. He has 45 actor credits uh, to his name, including A Touch of Frost, Judge John Deed, and films 21, The Way Back, and Cloud Atlas. Uh, he was in a band called uh, The Diluted... The, sorry, The Dilated Spies. Uh, couldn't find anything of them on Spotify. Um, I think there's just a little bit of a trace of them on YouTube, so they're, they're quite hard to find. He was over the moon to be offered the voice role, uh, and this says he always wanted to um, provide the voice for an animated character. And, I thought you could say because he always wanted to be an owl. That it, perhaps he did. Perhaps he's like... You know, they, they come to him and said, we want you to be an animated film. What am I? An owl. I mean, completely. If you'd have said mouse, <laughs> no chance I don't want to be a mouse. <laughs> and uh, he's best friends with um, the actress Evan Rachel Wood. I've got a nice little nice last, last little bit for Jim Sturgis here. He was also the final contender for the role of Star-Lord as well in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But obviously uh, lost out to Chris Pratt. Abby Cornish, who's in the film, who voices Ottilisa. Uh, she's an Australian actress and rapper, apparently. Yeah, didn't know Has that. 43 credits to her name, including Geostorm, Three Worlds Outside Every Missouri, and Sucker Punch. So a bit of uh, background, a bit of, um, not background, but a bit of uh, connection to Zack Snyder. Was voted Australia's uh, sexiest vegetarian in 2008. <laughs> right. 
It was the There's probably not that many of them, really. I just love that he was like, he's so specific. You're Australian <laughs> and you're a sexy vegetarian. You know, it's fantastic. I love that. No shrimps on her, Barbie. No, just, just courgettes. That's all she's got. <laughs> just courgettes and corn. <laughs> Uh, she performs cool. yes she performs rap under the pseudonym of Dusk and uh, she was cast as Stephanie in the uh, Darren Aronofsky The Wrestler but had to drop out at the last minute and was replaced by Evan Rachel Wood so another connection back to um, Jim Sturgis there so uh, I, I haven't seen The Wrestler I like Darren Aronofsky as, as a rule but I haven't seen The Wrestler no, it's, it's, one, it's, it's on my list Neil you know you know, big, definitely go and watch it you know how big your list of DVDs is oh, you know I'm slowly doing the podcast I've got 38 of these things to watch now as well if you can pick it up for a pound even better you can renew it actually yeah that might, not, that might not be a bad idea two birds one stone yeah. we'll get to the critical response now this is what the critics say about uh, the legends uh, Legends of the Guardians of the Owls of Gahul they say uh, so USA Today uh, Scott Bowles from USA Today said though it looks uh, though the looks are wildly popular I, yeah I didn't understand what? that either yeah I put a question mark next to that the, 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 the looks uh, no, sorry sorry it looks good basically so, no 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 it's my terrible writing this is so it's just, though the books are wildly prop- popular ah right are they? Don't know. Never heard of them. Never heard of them, exactly. Apart from this, I've never heard of them. This could be a hard sell to parents unfamiliar with the story of, uh, or intimidated by the... By owls. By the travellers I've brought here. Uh, oh, sorry. Or intimidated by the trailers. This will all be edited, don't worry now. <laughs> uh, but the film is surprisingly deft and entertains uh, at both the adult and juvenile levels. That's, that's a decent enough response, you know. You're looking for a film that's going to entertain you mm-hmm. and the kids. That's a good one. And uh, I like this fella. I've, I've quoted him a couple of times on, on my podcast. The independent critic Richard Proppers, he says, Legends of the Guardians never completely gels as a children's film and never completely commits to simply being an animated feature for older children and adults. Unfortunately, it's not entirely successful in trying to ride the fence, and as such, Legends of the Guardians is visually amazing, yet all too easily left behind cinematic experience once the closing credits roll. So a bit of a mixed bag from him, old Richard Proppers, he's saying it's a missed opportunity, basically what he's saying. So we roll on now to the expectation, Neil. What are you expecting from this film? Well, um, just to backtrack a bit, because you've just given me a load of facts about the film. <laughs> I mean, just, just, just to, I'll go back to my initial reaction when I read the DVD box. Yeah, go for it. I read the same thing from as you from the DVD box. I immediately I thought Watership Down with Owls. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a um, lot of people thought. Yeah, yeah. That's that's sort of, that's, that's the direction I think it's going to go in. Uh, but I say I have to backtrack a bit because what I didn't realise nowhere on that DVD box it mentioned anywhere uh, about the amazing voice cast. No, I was amazed as well when I went to researching this year. I had no idea. Uh, I mean, I've just I've just uh, pulled up the cast list while you've been talking, and um, one you didn't mention was Sam Neill. I think I did. He's under SD Davis. Did you? Oh, yeah. right. uh, and uh, and Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, Jeffrey Rush. You know, there's crazy. Some, there's, 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 oh, apologies if you did mention those. Yeah, okay. But yeah, hard, uh, yeah, uh, hardcore actors, and they're not mentioned on the box at yeah. all. So my, my yeah, my first reaction was um, I mean, picked up on Zack Snyder, obviously acclaimed director. I don't know how acclaimed he was back in 2010. This was made. 2010, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know how acclaimed you... I suppose it was after Watchmen. After Watchmen, um, it's after 300, it's after Sucker yeah, Punch. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, he would have been he would have been well-known at the time. So, yeah, yeah, acclaimed director. But, you know, there's no mention of that voice cast, so I thought, yeah, it's going to be a kid's film um, with a load of unknowns in. So, um, yeah, that's sort of my expectations gone up a bit now, I think. Oh, OK. I've got, I mean, it's a Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder film. Zack Snyder films are always nice to look at. They are always, you know, spectacular effects and, and gorgeous backgrounds, and it's always shot 
with because I think Zack Snyder should be a director of photography. I don't think he should be a director. I think he should be a DOP, you know, because he can shoot a film. There's, you know, you you know when you're watching a Zack Snyder film, every frame is is a portrait. He's fantastic and, and slowed down. And that's my next thing. As the downside to all that is all the damn slow motion, which is in all of his films right the way from you know when you start with 300 and, and oh, Dawn of the Dead, you know as well. It's like uh, it's like what's his name, J.J. Abrams and his lens flare, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, directors they always have. Some directors go for a trademark, don't they? You know, um, if you get to Hitchcock, Hitchcock was always in his films, and they're always tightly, tightly wound and suspenseful. You know, like you say, J.J. Abrams with his lens flare, which is arguably copied from Steven Spielberg and some of the stuff. I mean, Steven Spielberg has always got and a nighttime shot that's pretty much in his earlier films. There's always a shooting star, wasn't there? You know, yeah. and unfortunately, Zack Snyder's picked probably the worst one, which elongates your film in every way possible. <laughs> it, it can tell, like Watchmen would be about an hour and four, fourteen minutes if it wasn't for all the damn slow motion. You know, so so yeah, that's that's a problem. He could have taken the slow motion out and got the tales from the black freighter, wouldn't he? Exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, story-wise, with with the Owls of Gahul, I'm expecting quite a simple story. You know, just a, a simple good over evil sort of thing. You know, and they, they they rise against the evil regime. That's that's what it is. And I'm hoping that it, it rockets along with no clunky exposition. Cause it, I mean. This is a young adult stroke family film and you don't want to be faffing around trying to explain to your kids what the fuck's going on, do you? You know what I mean? You just want to sit down and watch it. So uh, for those of you who are new to the podcast, you won't know what's coming next. If you've been here before, you'll know exactly what's coming. We're going to break now, go and watch the film and we're going to have an intermission. So we're back. We've just watched the film. Now, this is the second time we've recorded this this podcast because we tried this a week ago. And uh, as you'll hear from this little clip I'm back to play, Neil watched the wrong film. Right, so Legends of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul, was released in 2010. Uh, uh, I think I think I've watched the wrong film. Oh no, what you watched? Rise of the Guardians. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't watched the one about the owls? No. You're the one, you've watched oh, the one about I, Jack Frost? I watched the one about Jack Frost and Santa. <laughs> brilliant. You know, it's brilliant. It's brilliant because I had a thought today that... <laughs> I think I was I was I, I was trying to do a little bit of research and I was googling when it was made and stuff and that Legend of the Guardians about the owls come up and I thought I bet you it's a film about the owls. You know? <laughs> I'm 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 going to save this. I'm going to put this into the episode when we get around to recording. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. So Neil, how was uh, Legend? Uh, sorry, Rise of the Guardians. But Rise of the Guardians. Rise, Rise of the Guardians. Yeah, Rise of the Guardians was awesome. <laughs> it was like the Avengers with um, with like Christmas and Easter characters. It was, it was brilliant. It was. It was. It's one of my favourite moments from doing recording this podcast. Just waiting for somebody to watch the wrong film, and you did it. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Right. So well, I've watched well, the right film now. Excellent. So 
quick run through. Give me a quick reaction to this. Before you stop there, sorry. Before we go any further, everybody, spoilers ahead. Massive spoilers. We're going to talk about the whole film. So if you do want to watch Legend of the Guardians, stop the podcast now. Go and watch it first. There you go. And then come back and we'll... We can, come you, back, yeah. you can join in the conversation with us. So, Neil... Instant reaction. I completely agree with that film critic you read out earlier, um, Richard Proppers. Richard Proppers, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think he, he nailed it, to be perfectly honest. It um, wasn't a bad film. A little bit disjointed and couldn't really decide what he wanted to be. I think I think he hit the, he hit the nail on the head. I, I mean, I watched it with my um, uh, five-year-old daughter, Erin, who's obsessed with owls. And she loved it uh, because it, it got owls in it. But I don't think he could decide whether it wanted a, a serious animated film or a kid's film at times. Mm. It was watchable. It was enjoyable. Erin um, liked it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it started off really well. I think the first uh, the first sort of 20 minutes were really, really interesting. There was a really interesting story going on. And then it kind of sort of faltered a bit. Mm. I mean, yeah, I, I sort of... I, agree i mean i really enjoyed it i thought it, uh, it was it's brilliantly animated let's let's start there i mean that's fantastic oh yeah yeah the animation yeah, yeah straight away that, 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 that blew me away i mean you could see every feather on those owls. exactly and the incredible depth yeah. of the the backgrounds you know they, they, they just look like they've filmed the background and then animated over the top of it some of the scenes in this they just look like they've been out on a field and filmed the sunset it's incredible yeah credit where credit's due though i mean you know i'm kind of i'm probably being a bit harsh um <laughs> but it's um yeah i think it, uh, yeah i think it confused me a bit overall but uh, but yeah the visuals are, are something else story-wise it's a decent story it's not incredibly original you know it's good versus evil um it's incredibly dark in tone it's it's oh yeah it's unlike many of the current family films that are out there he doesn't feel safe at all you, you, you're not actually sure whether your heroes are going to make it to the end it's, it's quite brutal at times for a, for a family film yeah, yeah I'll tell you what I was getting from it uh, little little uh, overtones of Blood Diamond <laughs> right I haven't seen Blood Diamond <laughs> so oh, I'll take you your know, word for that ch- ch- Child Soldiers and um Wow, Sierra yeah. Leone, you know, it's the yeah. same kind of, you know, that's basic premise. It was, uh, I, I think, you know, I said before, Watership Down, there were, there were Watership Down elements. Yeah, I, I think where where Watership Down succeeded and this didn't quite is there was an element of the real world in Watership Down. Yeah, this is this is definitely taking place in a uh, a fantasy world. Yeah, um, you know. I, I think with that you had you had a whole, you know, you had a group of rabbits. Mm. Um, you know, originally I thought it was just going to about basically that with owls instead of rabbits but mm. with, with, with Watership Down you kind of he created this world in our world but through the rabbit's eyes whereas this there wasn't really anything to relate to as, no. as such it was just an enjoyable fantasy film right well let's let's crack on let's break down the whole film so uh, as always Neil jumping if I miss something or jumping if you cool. want to bring something up right so so we start by uh, following owls through a vanilla sky uh, to a forest landscape and then back to a nest that has um, three little owlets in it, two brothers and a sister, and a mum, a dad, and for some reason, a fucking snake called Mrs. P. Yeah. I, I mean... Oh, Erin loves snakes as well. I mean, it was... Erin loves owl snakes and bats. This was the perfect film for her. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, Mrs. P, the snake, apparently is their nursemaid, which is, you know, okay. Yeah. 
I'm pretty sure that snakes and owls are mortal enemies, but you know, not in this film I'm, apparently. I'm, I'm sure they try to eat her at some point. Or they've got her. The they? Plus, they brought her back as food, and then she started like to shit around the house. And they were like, "Oh no, she's fine. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, let's not eat her. her. She, she, she yeah. cleans. It's fine." <laughs> yeah. We find that the uh, the owlets are role playing, and they're talking about the mysterious legendary guardians. Three minutes and twenty seconds, and we have the first shot of slow motion. It's all to do with the mythical owl superheroes who are the legendary. Guardians, uh, they're they're sort of cosplaying <laughs> of these of this legend of these uh, these legendary guardians. We then meet Sorin and, and Clud, who are the uh, Owlet brothers, and they are flying with their dad and trying to you know because they can't fly properly. They they can only fly from a raised position. They can't fly from the ground, so they're not fully so they're, they're still fledgling owls. Is basically what they are at this point. Uh, Mom and dad go completely McCann and fuck off and leave the kids with the snake. <laughs> I can't believe he just said that. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that, but they do. Brilliant. And they, uh, they they fly off, and the brothers sneak out to do a bit, to do some more flying because they want to, you know, want to try and get a bit better. So, uh, and Sorin is trying to teach because Sorin's the better flyer out of the two. Trying, Sorin is trying to teach Clud how to fly, and he's not very good at it at all. And they end up knocking each other out of the tree, and they fall straight to the ground. You see, can I just stop you there, Wayne? That's one of the issues I had with it, I think, is that I struggled to work out who was who at times. Yeah. The owls do all look remarkably similar. I thought it was the other way around. I, I thought Claude was the one who was teaching Soren to fly, but thinking about it now, you're probably right. Mm, well, they, they hit the ground, and they obviously find they can't fly up because they're not weak enough. They're then tacked by this massive Tasmanian violent possum that comes out of fucking nowhere and uh, is seriously evil and looks like he's possessed by the devil <laughs> and they are rescued by a couple of owls why at first i thought it was their mom and dad and it turns yeah, out I thought that. yeah it turns out they're not they're evil child snatching owl henchmen <laughs> do you know i know they were uh villains neil okay. they had cockney accents oh yeah yeah of course yeah <laughs> Here's a clip. You can't do this! Keep your mouth shut, or I'll shut it for you. What do you think of that, Jack? The old shut it for you part. No, not that. My evil stare. Been working on it for weeks. Oh, I missed it. Let's see. <laughs> oh, impressive. You like it? Yeah. You know, your evil stare reminds me a little of my intimidator. Yeah? I raise one eyebrow, tuck in my chin, and... Who are you? Hey, no questions. No who's, no what's, no why's. You'll see soon enough. Uh, What do you think? Did that evil stare seem forced or or natural? Completely natural. Oh, thanks. They're up in the sky. They They are joined in the sky, these owl snatchers, by more owl snatchers. And um, they are taken to Owl Mordor, uh, a.k.a. Saint Agilius, I think it is, or Saint Aggies, but Agilius is what it was called. And we meet uh, the master race, the Titos and uh, Nylos, who is their queen. Gorgeously animated barn owl and voiced by Helen Mirren. 100%. This, this owl is gorgeous looking. It looks better than the damn real thing. It's that gorgeous looking. <laughs> Clud and Sorin uh, then get separated, and Sorin is sent to be a picker. This is a dark moment, this, isn't it, this? The henchmen tell uh, all the recruits to stare at the moon. Oh, well, yeah, to, to, what do they call it? Moon, it's moon blinking. Moon blinking, yeah. that's it, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, they all go grey-eyed, and they become obedient serfs, basically. They're then taken to the Pelletarium, uh, which is basically the toilet. Now, now this is the bit where I've got a bit confused. So they're they're sent to uh, basically retrieve scraps of metal for yeah, yeah, yeah. Mal, Mal, Malpoo. Yeah, which which then has magical properties. 
Yeah, so... Um, uh, I could have done with a bit more exposition there, I think. It was like... Did, did, did I miss it? Did, did no, the film, no, no, Did no. the film ever explain why this... How, how this metal got into the owl shit in the first No, this is and, a part and, of the and fantasy why, and element. Why yeah. it was, uh, and, and why it got these magical powers. I mean, no. I, I know what you said earlier, a kid's film, you don't need too much exposition, but a, a little bit would be nice. It's all to do with um, the, the gullet, and they keep saying it throughout the film. Uh, later on, they keep bringing it up about the um, gizzard, about your yeah, gizzard. The gizzard that's yeah, it, yeah, and it's all to do with these owls. And, and when they regurgitate, they find these little blue pellets, which are uh, which is called. It'll come to me in a second on here somewhere. I, I tend to think maybe the thirty-one books would have explained. Yeah, it. maybe. One thing I just want to point out here: yeah, turns out moon blinking is really a thing, um, right. but it's not like it's not little owls looking up at the moon and then being brainwashed. It's a symptom of um, eye disease, apparently. So, yeah. We are introduced to, to Gilfie at this point, uh, who is a little barn owl, um, who warns Soren about moon blinking and saves him, and they close their eyes while the other owls are basically turned into zombies. A bit um, like the end of Indiana Jones and Raids of the Lost Ark. Yeah, this bit kind of... Yeah, this bit kind of reminded me of uh, the Pleasure Island bit in Pinocchio. You know, oh, all, yeah. the, all the kids, you know, to blindly doing what they're told. It's, it's, that's how dark it is, you know. Pinocchio that, that's a dark film. Yeah, exactly. We see uh, Nilo leading and in and doing this indoctrination speech and it's uh, you know the chosen owls they will be part of the new owl uh, you know owl nation so basically what you're saying is nazi owls that's what you're saying right there soren and gilfi are pretending to be moon blinked and they go with the other owls to the uh, the poo on poo duty which is the pellets so this is the stuff that you regurgitate for you know when owls eat something they regurgitate the bones and that's basically what it is and they find these blue flecks uh, which the Cockney gangster owls uh, tell them to, uh, they need to fish them out. And these blue flecks uh, are taken to a basket, which is protected by owl. This is all very exposition here, I'm, and I'm sorry. But you take these blue flecks to the owls, uh, to to this basket, which is protected by bats. Uh, these bats are defo, not British. Do you know? I know that, Neil. How do you know that? Because they're fucking massive. They're the yeah. same size as the yeah. fucking yeah. owls. Yeah, 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 good point. They've got, like, blades on the wings. Yeah. I mean, that that doesn't really come in until later when they start fighting. But, uh, yeah, they're they're badass bats. And uh, we discover that the the flecks, these blue flecks that are regurgitated, are part of a trap. Basically, the flecks are being collected for a a weapon of, well, an owl weapon of mass destruction. This super weapon that the bats are immune to, but affects owls in some way when they're all put together and put all these blue flecks together. we're We're not sure why, though. We're not sure... How he just the wizard did it. Exactly. Here's a clip. Once we have amassed enough flex, we will set a trap. Then it is up to you to lure our enemy to their rightful place. Into our claws. And then the Western Kingdoms and the tree. Those will be mine. You have my word. From that clip, you won't be able to see it, obviously, because it's a clip, but the owls are wearing helmets, so there's blacksmithery in uh, in this world as well. The owls have, have learned how to be blacksmiths. So, um, yeah, Soren and, and Gilfi are uh, taken to one side by this old owl called Grimble, which is voiced by Sam Neill, who is silently rebelling against the... Um, against the Titos, and he wants to save them, and he's teaching them both to be able to fly from the ground. Just to prove at this point that she is, you know, they are the bad guys and she is the queen of the bad guys, um, Nilo sets all the recruits a challenge of catching a bluebird. And of course, 
more slow motion. Yeah, yeah. Grimble, uh, Grimble tells them once they learn to fly, they must go to see the Guardians. And Nilo, Nilo catches them, and Grimble distracts her, and Soren and Gilfie can get uh, away. And... Just to correct you, Wayne, I thought this was right. Uh, Sam Neill doesn't play Grimble. Oh, is he not? It's Hugo Weaving. Apologies. Sam Neill plays, plays Alamir. Apologies, sorry. Yeah, God, he sounds very. Film later on. He does a cracking job because it sounds like bloody Sam Neill. <laughs> sorry, yeah, okay. My, 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 my mistake, I'll cross that out then. Uh, right, okay. Nilo attacks, Grimble saves them, and Sorin and Gilfi fly away. At this point, Clud turns fully to the dark side. That's when he goes all blood diamond. And we find that um, Sorin and Gilfi are on their way to Sulamia, which is a gateway to find the Guardians. This is what Grimble's told them. Sorin and Gilfi are chased then by Nilo and two warrior guards uh, through Al Mordor once again. And guess what, Neil? What? Lots and lots and lots of slow motion in this bit. They escape through a, a crack in a rock face because they're only small owlets, so they can get through where the other owls can't. After this trauma, uh, they find that they've learned to fly. Well, it's nothing like a bit of trauma. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> if you can't before, then. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like falling off a bike now. You, know, you, you can't forget it. How did you learn to fly? Because I was chased by some massive fucking owls, that's why. Reminds me of the first time I went on the motorway. Were you chased by massive fucking to. owls? <laughs> By accident, I took a wrong turning off an island. <laughs> Brilliant. And it, it ended up, I was on my way to a job interview at the time. Wow. Uh, and I ended up, it was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. Oh, well, I've got no choice now. <laughs> and I managed to get off at the next junction and make it back to the job interview in time. Didn't well, get the job. Well done. Oh, you didn't get the job? No. Oh, at least you got to learn to drive on the motorway. Yeah, at least I learned to drive on a motorway, so yeah. Right, after this trauma anyway, they've learned to fly and they head off to find the, the Guardians and try and find Sulamir. Back to Nilo, uh, who is indoctrinating Clud, and and here we go. And Nilo asks him how far he is willing to go for Saint Agilius. Dark moment once again. It's uh, it, it feels a bit Star Warsy, that doesn't it? Episode three. How far is he willing yeah. to go to get what he wants? You know. Well, this is where I was getting the whole blood diamond thing because obviously you say you haven't seen him, but he's basically no. um, he follows a child soldier who's taken from his parents and trained to be a soldier, and he discovers he actually quite likes it. Oh wow. Okay. So he kind Darker. of, yeah, yeah, it, um, it reminded me of that a lot. Right, back to Sorin and Gilfie, and they meet a crazy old owl called Digger, and uh, on their way... Oh, I'd, I'd stop you there. Erin absolutely loved Digger. He's a little Digger, he's a little... Um, Burring owl. Burring owl, that's it, yeah. See, they, they, just to give you a bit of background, they, I, mean, they didn't, I don't think they have a reference that he was a Burring owl. But the minute he appears on screen, he dives into the ground and digs a hole. Well, his name's Digger as well, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, Erin's obsessed with owls. She knows the names of all the owls at the zoo, and she particularly likes the burrowing owl. So straight away, she's like, it's a burrowing owl! (laughs) Yeah, it is. Brilliant. Um, We find that he lives in, in a platonic relationship with this other old owl called Twilight. And we find that Twilight, who uh, is a massive sort of like tawny owl, has caught Mrs. P, the snake, uh, the, the nursemaid from the start of the film, because she was out looking for Sovereign and Clud. Fly all the way back to Al Mordor, as Clud has been back to his home nest as well, and he's kidnapped his younger sister, Eglatine. Eglatine, yeah. And, um, Egg for short. Egg and takes her before Queen Nilo and Metalbeak. Now this is one of the first times we meet Metalbeak. Metalbeak is one of, is the king of the Titos, and he's a bit messed up and he's always wearing um, well. He's got a metal beak, hasn't he? Because he's had it torn off in war, and he's got uh, he's always got his suit of armor on, sort of thing. 
and he's voiced by Joel Edgerton, and he's obviously the the leader. He's, of he's like the, he's like the owl Darth Vader. He certainly is, yeah. And that's the first time we see him in this, and he's a true leader, like I say, of Saint uh, of the Saint of Julius movement. Back to our heroes um, who have picked up uh, two more. Who have picked up uh, Digger and Twilight, and uh, in their quest, and they are attacked by crows um, and see them. They, they see them off. They arrive at uh, the Sea of Hulamir, uh, where they meet an echidna, right? So that's like a porcupine-type creature, echidna. He's the... He, he reminds me of the... Uh, yeah. um, he reminds me of the uh, the baboon in uh, the Lion King. Lion King, yeah, yeah that's what he reminds yeah. me of. He's sort of walking around with the staff, and he's got Rafiki, like old stories. Yeah. That's it, Rafiki. Yeah, he's like he's basically um, a watchman of Gandalf, I suppose, isn't he? Oh. You know. And at this point, they form a fellowship. So technically, I suppose he is Gandalf because then he fucking leaves them. So, yeah. <laughs> um, our heroes fly off out to the to sea, out to the Sea of Hulamir, in search of Gahul. And the Guardians, um, they fly into a snowstorm and lose Digger, uh, who is saved by slow motion, apparently, and a Guardian. The Guardian leads them to Gahul, which is a cocktail of Rivendell, Pandora, Neverland, and Endor. It's all of those things just thrown into a you blender. Know, I must admit, this whole midsection, I'm kind of thinking, where is this going? And when they, um, when they, when they actually got to Gahul, I was, I was kind of thinking, finally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, a bit of, bit of slow motion didn't help with that, but you know, it's uh, it just. I, I think that's the thing. I, th- I felt like the, the pacing in this film is all wrong. Yeah, it's, it's a, it is a bit all over. It's the all place. over the shop. Yeah. Uh, Soren and Gilfie are taken before the guardians into their inner chamber, otherwise known as you know a parliament of owls. <laughs> 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 and uh, we get exposition of the villain's plan. The pure ones exist. They've kidnapped me and dozens of outlets from our hollows. They want to enslave us all and rule our world without pity. Yes, the only proof I have are my words. But words were the only proof I ever had that you were real. Well, still I believed. And you would argue with that? I will not argue with it. Your Majesty... My search and rescue chore is scheduled to leave on a routine survey during the next full moon. Perhaps we could... You should leave immediately. Take your best owls with you, Alamir, and be thorough. During the meeting, we meet Alamir, uh, who is obviously infiltrated the Guardians on behalf of the St. Aegilius Owls and says he will take some owls to verify Soren's story. I I didn't pick up that he was a traitor at this point. Maybe maybe I I wasn't paying enough attention, but uh, I I thought that was a really good twist. uh, Did you not see that coming? It It was so obvious. It was like, I don't believe this little owl. You know, he, he, he doesn't know nothing. It's like, yeah, you're the bad guy, aren't you? Because you're trying to push the plans away. You're trying to, like, totally um, push it under the carpet. There's, this guy's turned up and said, they're bad guys. Oh, no, you I, know. Think, I think I think I was still um, smarting from all the slow-mo and just losing the will to live yeah, at this point. Yeah, there was, there was way too much slow-mo in this. Way too much. So, Soren and Gilfi are shown around the grounds of Gahul, um, uh, Ocalisa. Achulisa, sorry, Achulisa. And we see all the different talents the owls can do and learn. There's a speech about finding your place, and uh, we also get to see the uh, the blacksmithery, 
you know, the uh, the forge where they where they make all these owl. Is this a point where there's a bit of a montage as well to the Owl City song? My next note, Neil. Q montage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with a and, very, uh, very, very out of place song, the song by Owl City. Yeah. I mentioned. <laughs> Fuck me, it's out of place, and it? it's really out of place. It's like we need to do a song by Owl City, and we need to lighten the tone of this film a bit. So let's chuck this in, and it was really wrong. Do you know, Owl City is basically one bloke. Yeah, it's just one bloke in it. He's placed. Yeah. yeah. Back to the, um, the, the annoying man, absolutely. Mm. Back to Agelius and um, and Metalbeak, uh, who is riding up the troops. Claudio is having a uh, he's having a better turn to the dark side than Anakin Skywalker in Rise of the Sith to be like, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. It's really good. Because he's sort of, you, you don't really see his motivation, but it is really well handled. He's, he's turned to the dark side and the entire doct- indoctrination, you know, he's basically a Nazi youth, isn't he? You know, he's been mm. fed all this lies about, you know, the uprising of the, the main of the main kingdom, like, brilliant. He's, he's kind of like, you know, oh, you get the impression he's always kind of been overlooked and he's never been good enough and now he's got somebody who he thinks respects him. Exactly. It's Hook, is it in Hook, isn't it? Where um, yeah. Captain Hook, yeah, yeah, does that. We go back to Gahul and uh, Sorin befriends an old owl uh, who is called. I think he's not even attempted. Ez, Ezra, uh, Ezil Rib. Far too many Ezilrib. Ezil Rib, yeah, I think it is. Um, who takes the young owl under his wing? And, Jeffrey Rush. Uh, Jeffrey Rush, he takes him out. He's a, he's a lovely old grizzled, bossed up owl who's obviously seen a lot of war and stuff. He takes. Sorin out into a storm to get him to fly and say you can you know once you learn to fly use your gizzard son use your gizzard and all this and makes him fly and guess what Neil guess what slow-mo more slow-mo use your gizzard boy fly inside Use the gizzard, Luke. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, I've got that as a quote here. So yeah, absolutely, 100% what you said there, Neil. It's a, it's a Star Wars reference, 100%. We go to Alamir now. This is the traitor. He leads the owls uh, to St. Agelius, and um, unsurprisingly, he does the, the double the double cross, and he throws the owls under the bus, basically, and they go into the blue fleck, and you see what the blue fleck did to the owls. It sort of pins them down. It's, sure, not, it, it's the Emperor's lightning, the isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, the, the way they reveal Alamir's... Um, is it Alamir? The, the way they Alamir, reveal, yeah. The, the way they reveal his, his, his double, cross, double crossery, if that's even a word. <laughs> um, the, the, the way, I, I, I thought that was the most effective part of the film. It was so well done, because you have um, Eglatine, um, who's been rescued... Uh, previously, oh, yeah. uh, who's, been, who's been moon-blinked, and you kind of have a shot of all the owls going into battle, uh, being led by Alamir. Uh, and then he kind of cuts back to um, the, to the goal, and you see that they, 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 they basically they managed to snap Eglatine out of her moon blinking, and then she and then she she basically admits too late that uh, she wasn't rescued, that she was actually given to them. Yeah, yeah, you've just you've uh, just jumped ahead uh, just a little bit there. But oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All I was going to say was there was Ezelrib, uh, Ezel, yeah, Ezelrib, yeah, who, who is uh, the the Grizzlebot yeah, He basically turns out to be Obi Wan Kenobi, doesn't he? Yeah. He's a mythical old soldier and Soren's hero, and as you say. Alamir returns to Gahul and he's managed to um, save a few of the blinked owlets, including Eglatine. You know, he spins them a yarn about them uh, being slightly hurt and starts warmongering. And at this point, you need Admiral Akbar to step in and go, It's a trap! Which actually happens. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that line is in the film. 
Is it really? <laughs> at, at, that, that, at that point, someone shouts, it's a trap. <laughs> And uh, the film becomes a lot more about gizzards now. Uh, yeah. From now on, there's a lot more mention of gizzards. The Guardians fall for the trap and they fly off and uh, do their best with all their best fighters, including Ezelrib, uh, to battle and, uh, you know, fly straight into the trap. Uh, Soren saves his sister from being moonblinked, as you said, you know, by being sad, apparently. Just by being sad, you can save people, you know, from, from uh, just being complete subservient fools. Just by sitting there and going, oh, I failed you. Oh, she's out of it. She's fine. Don't worry about it. How does that work, Neil? I was a bit unsure of that. No idea. I mean, you know, I was unsure about a lot of things. It's a wizard did it. You just have to... A wizard does it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there, was, there was a lot of wizards doing it involved. And um, slow-mo. Uh, we go to a very dark moment in the film here, which is where Eglatine tells Soren it was Clud who moonblinked her. And um, obviously at this point, Soren figures figure out that it's a trap. But yeah, that was dark as fuck, wasn't it? Leading your sister mm. and... Uh, have a look at this moon, will you, darling? Jesus. I was like... Wow, we've really left Oz behind here, haven't we? <laughs> Back to St. Julius and the Guardians um, are attacked with knives, apparently. Um, with bats with knives. Yeah, they've got knives attached to their wings and it's all getting a bit brutal. And they unleash the uh, the fleck upon them, the uh, the weapon of mass destruction. And it's all to do with gizzards, again. It's something to do with this, this fleck attacks the gizzard. So what the owls throw up, the blue fleck inside, is also their poison, I'm, I'm, I think. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about this either. Just accept it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just got to accept it. Yeah, and guess what, Neil? Guess what? Slow mo. More slow mo. And they get kept. The, all these owls get caught in the fleck. You know, it's like, it's like a bit like I say, it's like being electrocuted by the the Emperor in Star Wars. You know, there's lots of electrocution. Uh, the bats are okay though because they haven't got gizzards, so they're fine. Soren, Gilfi, Twilight, and Digger go to warn the Guardians. They fly off to Saint Agilius. And this scene, it's like it's like the turret scene from Star Wars, isn't it? And you get you actually get the there's a lot f- of Star Wars yeah. influence. God, there's lots. You, you get the whole you know use the Force Luke moment, do you? Use your gizzard, boy. You know, <laughs> topped with more slow mo. That's what you need for this. Soren flies through the fire to a soundtrack by Enya. Which not in you, but just sounds just like her. I, I didn't really get the fire. I, I, I think I, I sort of. I think I got temporarily moon blinked, and I missed where the fire came from. Okay, so so they don't explain that. They just these owls live on what I thought was Mordor. It's basically like an, an open volcano, uh, and the right, one okay. side of it is always on fire because of the you know uh, the, I, the I erupting yeah, volcano. No, so I, I didn't didn't realise. Yeah, that. so all the so trees. I, did, so I didn't yeah. really miss anything. It just, no, no. Yeah, okay. Uh, loads of loads of trees on fire and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. All of a sudden, everything was on fire, and I, yeah. like, I was going to rewind it and try and figure out how that happened, but I couldn't be bothered. No, you wouldn't get it. You wouldn't get it because uh, I did rewind okay. it. You did. You don't get it. Okay. Um, so Soren gets a bucket of fire. Literally gets a bucket of fire. And with Enya's backtracking and some gorgeous slow-mo, he destroys the fleck and in the process saves the Guardians. The Guardians at this point fly and they, they uh, and fight the Titos in the sky. Think 300 meets Flash Gordon, you know, dive my owl men, dive! <laughs> that sort of thing. And then uh, you get Soren faces off against Clud. And metal that, that was always going to happen, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course it was. It's the, um, you were the chosen one, you were meant to bring... For- Balance to the force, all that crap. And uh, Metal Beak faces off against Ezelrib, which is incredible to me because Metal Beak's this massive sort of eagle owl and Ezelrib is, I don't know, what you, I don't even know what he is, like a tawny owl, isn't he? He's only a small owl. Yeah. But he's, he's, you know, they, they have a complete duel in slow motion, so everything's all right. Ezelrib beats Metal Beak, um, but gets hoodwinked and taken down by uh, Nilo from, the, from like, sort of, 
exit stage left. Soren and Cludder fighting to the death uh, in a forest of fire, which is a, it's a I mean, it's, I can't fault the animation in any of this. It's all gorgeously done. And it's, it's super dark and, you know, brilliant all at the same time. And, but, I mean, I've just wrote it here, you know, they're one step away from saying you were you should have brought balance to the, the force, not destroy <laughs> it, you know. Um, and after much battling, Clud falls from a tree, you know, we're talking about Chekhov's tree from the start, you know. They, they have a battle in the, in the tree at the end and Clud gets... You know, knocked out the tree to his death. Uh, Metalbeak and Nilo are, are about to finish Ezelrib uh, when Soren flies out of nowhere to the rescue. Uh, Metalbeak fights Soren, and after some aerial battling, which is really, really well done again, Soren uh, stabs Metalbeak in the chest with a, a stick of fire, which is, you know, wow. Not only can they wear Quite metal, brutal, yeah, really brutal. Yeah, they can they can wield fire. Queen uh, Queen Nilo uh, then flies away with the beaten Titos uh, to fight another day, and Soren with the heroic uh, guardians or fly back to Gohul with all the fellowship, as it were. Nobody dies uh, from our side. Maybe a couple, but we don't see them. Must be off screen. As it was in the old ages, so it was in the new. The guardians upheld their oath that night. I foretold you so. They made strong the weak and mended the broken. And when the sun shone again that morning, all could see that they had vanquished the evil. The Fellowship are made into full-time guardians. You know, Sorin is now a guardian. Which is so totally the end of A New Hope. Exactly. And it's, it's the yeah, it's the end of how many films like that. And yeah. Sorin's mum and dad have turned up now. You know, a bit late, if you ask me. And, you yeah. know, <laughs> where, of, where they all? So I, I think what you'd call this at this point in the film is dereliction of duty there, is it, parents? <laughs> and a voiceover tells us that uh, Queen Nilo escaped... And Clud's body was never found. Mm. And the Guardians then fly off into the sunset. Guess what, Neil? Slow motion. The end. <laughs> give me the sum for this, Neil. Give, give, me the, give me the reality. What, what, what's your take on this? Um, I, like I said before, a very... It's kind of a simple film that somehow managed to be confusing. <laughs> yeah, it just—it felt like, yeah, absolutely beautiful, but that that sort of overshadowed by the fact that it was just just hard work at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it confused me. I, I I couldn't honestly say whether I liked it or not. It, it was just there was kind of there was a lot going on but nothing was really sort of explained like I say I mean yeah you can forgive that for a kids film but then a kids film based on well I didn't realize there were 31 books I mean surely there was there's enough there's enough source material there to, to be able to explain things a little bit maybe I mean you'd have to read the books to know you know they must be picking out bits that they can work with to, to do this I mean, I, I mean, the, the first note I've got written down here is it's unbelievably animated. It's, it's just beautiful. oh yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't knock that. It's it, it, visually it was stunning. Yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, right from the the, the outset, the uh, the animation on the owl's feathers, it was, you know, it was much. Cause I, I mean, I, I'd kind of vaguely heard of it, but I, um, yeah, the animation's up there with with anything really. Yeah, the, it the, is at the, the time. 
it's 11 years ago and it still looks when I watched it on whatever yeah. it was it, it still stands up it still looks amazing I mean like the backgrounds and and the like you say the owls the landscapes everything or you know all the rocks everything it looks fantastic it looks you know it, there's time and care put into this without fail yeah you know and and the, the, like the story's a bit like you say disjointed and sort of lets the film down a lot in that respect but the yeah, action I, is the action is really good isn't it it's really well it is, handled yeah, and I think it's it kind of, it kind of lulled a bit in the middle it, it picked, picked back up at the end um, but I think because cause I got, because I um, I sort of nearly fell asleep in the middle it, <laughs> um, yeah I think that, that affected my overall enjoyment of the film I mean yeah, it, it just like um, I, I think. I think what, what upset me the most is that the first twenty minutes were amazing and were really, really interesting. I was really invested, and mm. it, it kind of felt like it didn't deliver on that setup. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, one of the things I was worried about was how the owl characters were going to translate. And like you said, when we started, uh, we started breaking down the film. You you do struggle with who's who, and then yeah. after about twenty minutes, you do settle into who's who because they break the brothers apart, so it's easy to recognise which mm. one's which, and then you sort of get to used to it. And it's not, I don't think it's a problem at all, and I think kids will just love it the way that that goes. And you know, it's just they're just like any other anthropomorphic. Yeah. That that one animals you yeah. just you just accept it. You know? I, I, I wasn't going to correct you because I can't say it myself. Yeah, anthropomorphic. That's it. Anthropomorphic. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I do actually. I, I think the story's decent. It's just a bit iggledy piggledy. I mean, it's it's there's, there's some bits in there, and I don't know which way around it is, but there's bits in there from the film that's obviously Lord of the Rings, especially in the landscape and the way it's all done. Mm, Mordor. Mordor. Yeah, Al Mordor, exactly. Um, and Al Gondor and Al um, Rivendell, you know, they, that's what they are. There's obviously the Star Wars thing in there, you know, use your gizzard, mm. which is just basically the force. And if I'm honest, there's some Shakespeare as well, you know, with the Warring Brothers and that mm. whole sort of thing. And, I mean, it's obviously not set in our universe at all. How many... How many owl forges have you stumbled across in the in the forest, Neil? You know what I mean. True. I did like that there was no hand holding with the story, even if it is a bit all over the place. You know, I but I think the history could have been a bit more extrapolated on. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you don't you don't want hand holding, but you do want a bit of uh, a bit of a reason behind things, a bit of a um, uh, you know, just just a bit of a. All he would have taken is just to throw away, see, you know, mm. just how, how, what what those metal things were. What mm. those, they just refer to them as the shards. You know, it's like mm. what 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 caused them to have that magical property. Yeah, just just a place. little bit more exposition there would have been good. Yeah. I, I was I was complaining at the start, thinking it was going to be too clunky, and it's probably not clunky enough at times. It could have done mm. with a bit more. Um, I mean, I've had a couple of days to think about this, um, and. You know, think about how this fits with my favourite family films that I've watched with my kids. And, you know, you have some genuine moments of, of darkness and peril and dread in this. And it's not unlike something like The Dark Crystal in that respect, um, or Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And like you yeah. said at the start, Neil, Watership Down. Those films are really, really dark because it's trusting mm. kids. It's trusting that they can handle that darkness. And I think a lot of, from my from my aspect, I think a lot of kids' films don't do that enough now. They're far too interested in selling toys too and things safe, like that. Yeah, yeah, they're far too so they need a bit more grit to them. Um, going back to this film, Nazi Owls was a surprise. Didn't see that coming. Mm. 
at all. Yeah, complete surprise. You know, the whole um, master race as it was. <laughs> also, the Owl City song. Um, yeah. I feels like studio interference, that does. I think that that's the thing. It's just tonally, it was all it was all wrong, and that's just, you know kind of, kind of added to the all over the place type feeling. Yeah. Like, you know, as you say, the moments of proper darkness. To, uh, I mean, when they introduced Digger, I mean, he was clearly you know the comic relief, mm. which you know kind of kids film does need. You know, he was like your Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. But, well, well, the, the two the two were him and the the great grey owl the. Mm. Um, What's his name? Um, the Twilight. You know that, 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 that was their role, and okay, every animated film needs one of those. But it kind of felt like it suddenly went from one thing to another. Yeah, it does. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you talk about the voice cast in this, you know, they're all. Why were they not mentioned on the DVD know. box? What's all that about? I don't know. Perhaps they just weren't. They didn't want to put people off by saying, "Look at this massive voice cast," because sometimes you have a massive. I mean, you ever seen a film called Food Fight? No. Right, okay, it's one of the worst animated films. I've got it upstairs, and I'll lend it to you, Neil. You'll, you won't believe that this film was made. You won't believe this film was made with Eva Lungaria, Charlie Sheen, and Christopher Lloyd, <laughs> right? And I think sometimes you look at a cast like this, the voice casting is it's fantastic. You know, it's not off-putting at all, and it didn't take me out of the film once. They were just, they were just there. They were just the voices mm. of these animals. That was it. You know, I mean, as I was breaking the film down, I pointed out moments of snow of slow motion and to be honest there's probably at least another 50 percent more of what i missed i'm I'm pointing it out i didn't find it that distracting at times i did you know because maybe because i just got used to it after a time but there is too much of it in there if i'm completely honest there's no need at all for Mm. for lots of moments of it back again all beautifully animated all beautifully decorated everything I'm not sure. I've wrote here and uh, not sure about the eco socio climate of the owls. <laughs> you know, where do they get their base metals for the armor? Right. Do they go out and mine iron? Or, you know, do they get stick? Where do they get it from? Yeah. Well, will they build weapons from magical glowing shards in poo. Oh, I mean, yeah. kind of, you know, if you can get out, you get past that, then you can get past the blacksmithery. My last note on this uh, before we get to the verdict is: I think I would have liked a sequel. If I'm honest, I think I'd, I'd have watched a, a sequel of this and have a bit more uh, background on the Gahul lot and that. You know, I'm not sure. From from reading the books, um, Soren, uh, sorry, Claude doesn't die. He uh, he turns up again later on. Apparently, he uh, he turns up as something else, or you know, an evil version of himself. So, yeah, any, anything else to add, mate? When he implied that he died, I mean, I thought that was really dark. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of uh, you, the whole kids' film thing, you expect a redemptive arc, and there wasn't one, and that, that kind of stunned me a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else to add, mate? Uh, I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it. Okay, then we'll wrap up with the verdict. Gentlemen of the jury, we the verdict. Considering all the facts and arguments presented by both counsel... And after careful deliberation, the jury will retire and consider the evidence. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict? Better be judged! So, Neil, quick quick rundown, what, what, you know, did you enjoy the film? Yeah, yeah, I think, um, yeah, overall, I mean, I, 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 I feel terrible because I feel like I've slated it. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's one of those where, you know, if what it was, it was an enjoyable film, it was... Um, you know, it's a film I watched with Erin. She absolutely loved it. Uh, but as films I've watched with Erin go, you know, it was, it was 
better than fucking trolls. <laughs> you know, it was it, 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 it was all right. It was it was. Uh, I think it's one of those where I'm being overly harsh on it because I think it was it was capable of so much more. Yeah, maybe. Absolutely, it, it, yeah. it wasn't bad, but it could have been great. Yeah, I, I've got the same. I've got it's a really enjoyable romp, and I mean, it had some genuine threat. I felt like some of the main owls in the film were never safe. You know, like at any moment, one of these fuckers could have had red cut off or something. You know, that's how dark I really, this film could have gone. I mean, well, you know, think about, I really do feel like I've been unduly harsh on it, but. <laughs> it, it, you know, that's, that's the nature of it, where he couldn't decide what he wanted to be. Absolutely. It's an easy watch. It doesn't outstay its welcome at all. It's 90 minutes done and dusted. You're straight through it. And it's, if nothing else, it's just lovely to look at. Such a oh, stunning, yeah. beautiful film. So, Neil, how much would you give it out of a pound? 95p. Ooh, 90 Wow. Wow, I was going with 70. So, the average is... Equals a score of... 82.5. So, 82.5 pence for... 82.5 pence for the Legends of the Guardians, the, the Owls of Gahul. That's not a bad score, to be honest. It's not a bad score at all, really. I think that's a fair price as well, 82 pence. Yeah. I, was, I was never bored. It was a decent film, so yeah. yeah. So yeah, well, thanks, Neil. Thanks a lot for coming along again. And, uh, yeah, cheers for having me back. Uh, it's been brilliant, and uh, I'm glad you enjoyed this film anyway. And, and, uh, I, I, and... I enjoyed them both. I think I enjoyed the wrong one a little bit more, which <laughs> yeah. I probably wouldn't have gone out my to watch if I hadn't uh, if you hadn't asked me to be on the podcast. Yeah, Rise, Rise of the Guardians is, is really good, and the, to be fair, Legend of the Guardians I enjoyed as well. So, yeah. yeah, all that's really left to say is like, subscribe, rate, all that jazz. You know, you can find me on Twitter. I'm most active um, on Twitter, the one pound movie part of it is hashtag. Uh, or you can at me at, uh, at one pound movie pod also you can like, you know, like and subscribe on Facebook and all that crap and you can go and find all the podcasts wherever you find podcasts I'm not on Apple not for any other reason I've just been lazy and I can't be asked to do it that's pretty much it um, so yeah thanks again Neil thanks for having me thanks everybody for listening I've been Wayne and this has been the one pound movie podcast goodbye Woo-hoo.